Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Today's guest has published over, get this, a hundred books, including 32 bestsellers. That's mind-boggling, and they've been published in 45 languages. Greg Reed is an award-winning author, The Millionaire Mentor, and Three Feet from Gold, Turn Your Obstacles into Opportunities. He's also a keynote speaker, a film producer, and among those movies is Wishman, the story of the founder of Make-A-Wish Foundation, Frank Shankowitz and a member of the C-Suite Network, by the way. Greg is here today to give us insights on what we need to do to crack the code in understanding wealth and prosperity and how to use roadblocks as our trampoline to success. Greg, welcome back to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. And then the crowds go wild. (laughs) Of course they should, without question. So, you, uh, for those that don't know, Greg's led a group called Secret Knock. This is the coolest event. We actually don't know where the event's being held until the day before you get to the city. He holds it in San, in San Diego, but you never know where it's going to be. It's using some exotic location, and you you have to know the Secret Knock in order to get in. How did you come up with that? Because you know, everyone was doing the same exact thing. And that's yeah. what you're trying to do with the C-suite. You, you, you flipped it on scale. You and I both did the uh, Seinfeld, the George Costanza opposite day. Like, watch everyone else <laughs> go the other way, right? Yeah. And so I figured, you know, everyone else does these little flyers. It's got the little uh, talking head of who's going to be there and what you're going to learn. And I said, what if we did an event where we charge a lot of money, but we don't tell you where it is or who will be there? <laughs> right? And then it, it took off and became Inc. and Forbes' top business event in the entire world for networking. But then something that you always instill in people is that you have to over-deliver. If yeah. you say a circus is coming to town with you know four elephants, well, now you got to deliver four elephants, but you better bring on some dancing people. One of them better be pink. You know, one right? big pink elephant, right? You know, white yeah. elephant, a pink elephant, a black elephant, you know, all the good colors. That's it. You got to go. You got to go. Bit. You, and, and it's not about the promise. It's about the delivery. You know, one of the cool things, I, and you've uh, I, you've honored me by being on the stage a couple of times. Of course, I've been there. Uh, and you recall, I was there with the president of Mexico. I was there with Richard Dreyfus. If you remember, everybody, you guys made Richard and I stop talking because Richard and I got into it in the hallway. And pretty soon we had like 150 people standing around Richard Dreyfus and I having this wonderful conversation because he's about as crazy as a loon. Okay. And, uh, and, and it was the opposite of Donald Trump when it comes to politics. And so it was, a, it was a great conversation. So, but one of the cool things you got at that, and then I want to get into more questions, but is what's the, it's a, what's it called? The tub of love or something? What, what, what is that? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I just got a big giant bucket and I put it on stage. And then when people like yourself would come, I'd say, hey, would you volunteer to put something in the bucket? And you'd say, yeah, you can have an hour with me or you can fly to my house and we can have a meeting or whatever it was. And we put a associated value, call it you know, $5,000, $10,000 with it. And we yeah. put it in the bucket. And then at the end of it, it would all add up to you know, like two, $300,000. And then the what we do is we reward 
rowdy behavior, meaning that every time you speak up, you argue, something good, we give you a little ticket, like a carnival ticket. And at the end, we pull one ticket and they win all of the belongings. So the more that you speak up, the more you engage, the better chance you have of winning. I've I've met some incredible leaders, uh, thought-provoking, everything there, and as well as I've just met some really great friends as well. Do you remember what I gave for the Tub of Love? I remember what I gave one year. What was it? What was it? Remember, I gave a walk out on Crazy Horse Memorial to walk oh, out. On the oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Unbelievable. And by the way, you're coming to the one in September. I am. Yeah. Uh, and we and we got we got some, you know, we never tell who's coming. But I, I'm going to tell you something I'm working on because I just I, I got the signed agreements, but anything can happen. But I, I've got another person coming. Remember the actor Gary Busey? Oh, sure. Right. And I've got this top neural brain scientist who does the brain mapping. I'm having both of them on stage at the same time where I'm going to have a neuroscientist oh. brain scan Gary Busey live on stage. <laughs> it will be that will be nuts. And I, I shared the stage or shared this tube with Gary Busey because as Celebrity Apprentice, he was a contestant on Celebrity Apprentice uh, the last time I was on there. It was nuts. C-Suite Radio. I can say, by and large, you've been pretty successful in life. What's the one thing people need to have or to hone in on in order to achieve a high level of success? I mean, we got a room full of people right now and tons watching us and listening right now. What's the one thing people have to have? CPC. And, you know, it's something that I'm really. What's that mean? CPC. What's that mean? It's an acronym. It stands for Clues, Patterns, Choices. Looking back in life, if I would have learned this one technique, would have changed many things. And it works like this accountability and responsibility for every single thing that happens. Stop blaming other people. It's your ah, fault. Amen. And it works like this. Amen. I'm a simple guy. So let's say I go on a first date and the woman happens to be 20 minutes late. Anything could have happened, but there's a little red flag. It's a clue. But if I go on the fifth, sixth, and seventh date, every time she's 20 minutes late, that forms the P, the pattern. Yeah. Now it's my C choice whether I deal with it, yell at her, break up with, but it's not her fault. She's just late. Stop trying to change people to fit in your little own paradigm box. Looking back, it's interesting. You'll see someone with a bad reputation in business and they cheat your best friend. You do business thinking, oh, it'll be different for me. Things go wrong and you're mad at the person. It's like seeing a rattlesnake rattle, bite your kid's sister. You go to pet it, get bit, and you're mad at the snake. Looking back in life, we are never angry at the relationships that didn't go good or the business practices we're just angry that we stayed in too long because we saw the clue, we saw the pattern, but we made our choices a little bit too late. So I'm going to ask you, you talk about wealth and prosperity. What's the difference and how do you go about building them? Well, first of all, you know, you're the key expert at this <laughs> one. I can only give you the input, you know, input from the, my point of view. I believe that it all comes down to one word, as you've said a thousand times, and it's cliche is freedom. That's it. That's the difference between being rich and being wealthy. Being rich means that you can have all the luxuries that you want. Being wealthy means that, you know, you, you can really live the life that you've always dreamed about. I've realized, though, that the biggest lie that's ever been told in wealth and prosperity is to go find your passion and the money yeah. will follow. Yeah. Amen. And it, and it drives me nuts because I remember I was hanging out with a multi-billionaire and he, I go, why are you so wealthy? And I'm not. And he goes, because you believe all the BS lies that you're spreading to the world. I went, what? And he pulled out a cell phone and had a meme that I put out there and said, like, follow your passion and not a paycheck. And he goes, and then you wonder why you're broke, you idiot. And I went, <laughs> right? 
<laughs> he said the richest people that were millionaires and lost all their money, a hundred percent of them did that following their passion. Yeah. He goes, no one that's wealthy, a billionaire ever lost their money because what they're doing is constantly looking for opportunities and they use that wealth and prosperity to finance their passions. Ooh, I like that. I like that. You you can follow your passion uh, and as long as it pays. I think that's that's good. I think that's that's, good. That, that's true. But everyone, you even the people that followed their passion and they made their wealth and prosperity, they did it seeking opportunity. So, for yeah. example, he says, look, if you see someone as a welder, they quit their job, an admirable profession, they, they got some money, they go to Tony Robbins seminar, get fired up and open a yogurt shop. As we know, 85 percent of the businesses fail, not because he's not cool or he's not motivated. He's, he even got his, his uh, initial capital. It's because he's a welder and he's not a yogurt guy. He says, but it'll hold on too long, CPC. And he'll hold on to that dream like it's his baby. And as he goes under holding on that anchor, he pulls down his car, his boat. He goes, we sweep in and buy that pennies on the dollar. He goes, keep telling people that. He says, but the sheiks out in the desert and the Gettys that built everything he goes, they didn't have passion for crude oil. He goes, waste management doesn't have passion for dirty diapers and rotten cheese. The aggregate dealers don't have passion for sand and gravel to build the freeways. But they built every stadium, every coliseum, the arts, the ballet, the universities. He goes, the secret is this. He goes, we own the, we own the stadiums and the football teams that people following their passion are giving their brain matter on the field for a few million bucks. He goes, it's just a different perspective. He goes, you can be rich or you can be wealthy, it's up to you. I love it. So you, I said in the introduction that you've written over 100 books, and a lot of our audience here today is are also authors, okay? And many of them are thought leaders, and many of them are the executive leaders who want to write a book. Okay, now I know this by talking to you and knowing you as a friend, that your Millionaire Mentor book was rejected like 268 times. Got right. that? Yeah. A bestseller, you know, published in language after language after language, and yet it was rejected 268 times. Folks, let that sink in. How, how did you process all of those rejections? Well, it was interesting, and I'm trying to open it up to one of these quotes out of here. It was interesting of that one is I took every one of the rejection letters and I taped it to my wall in my office and I used it as incentive. So I would send out eight, you know, these query letters every single week to get eight yeah. back. And everyone kept telling me all the reasons why I can't do it. And finally, I never took it personal, you know, the four agreements. And I called up one of the publishers and said, be honest, why? And they said, because you stink. You can't write for anything. You got a D in English and you're dyslexic. And so what do I do? And they said, get a ghostwriter. So I did. They recrafted it and it went on to become a juggernaut success. And by the way, I just, I, I, this one quote from the millionaire mentor was shared 37 million times already. And it says a dream written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal broken down becomes a plan and a plan backed by action makes your dreams come true. I guarantee you've all seen that quote. It all came from this book. And it would have been very interesting if I would have quit after 50 rejections or 100 or 150. But I realized it's the people that persevere and keep going. They're the ones that come out on top. And initially, Jeff, you said that I've written 100 books. Let's be clear. I haven't written anything. I've authored <laughs> a bunch of books. But right. I've got amazing ghostwriters, editors, people yeah. that take my words and craft them in a way people want to read it. Which is a great way. I mean, realizing what's good for you. I don't, I don't write. I can't, I mean, 
I can't even read half the stuff I put on a sheet of paper. I mean, I can't even read my own writing. So I don't write, I'm, but I'm good at telling the story. And then I've got a great co-writer, uh, you know, Jim Eber, who really captures me. He captures me so well that his wife yelled at him the other day and said, quit acting like Hazlett. <laughs> like Hazlett. I, I thought that was funny. The, the guy who wrote Wealth Made Easy with me, his name is Gary Krebs. He's oh, the, yeah, Gary, yeah. Yeah, so Gary's the former publisher of McGraw-Hill Publishing Corporation yeah. and worked at a brilliant. Well, who can write a better book? Me or that dude, right? Yeah. And so it's very important to surround ourselves with people, again, that you know play at something that we work at. We work our strengths and we hire our weaknesses. You mentioned the movie I made. Look, I never ran a camera. I never did casting. But I made a movie and produced it by finding the best people to fill those positions and then empower them to do the job. Well, I think the first time we sit down, um, I can't I can't think it was I can't even remember it was we were at an event and it wasn't your event. It was some other event. And you were telling me about the movie. And I'm thinking, what? What are you talking about a movie? You I, And I started asking, you, like, well, how many of these you done? And it's like this one. You know, it's like, boom, what, what a cool thing. What was that a great experience for you? And was it was it monetarily rewarding? It was an experience. Uh, I will give you that. So for those of you who know the story behind the story, I'll give it real quick. Frank Shankwitz, founder of Make-A-Wish, you're all familiar with him. I asked him what his dream is, his wish was. And he said that no one ever asked him. I said, well, I'll grant your wish. Anything you want, I'll give it to you. And he says, I want my story to be told so my grandkids will know I did something. So he signed over his life rights. And I said, but I've never made a movie, but I'll figure it out. And it took me six years more trials and tribulations you can imagine, but it came out last year and we made the final ballad for the Oscars and it's trending worldwide on Netflix right now called Wishman. And so the answer to your question is no, it's not been financially rewarding. It came out six months after, you know, into it, COVID hit. So yeah. every international deal that we close worldwide could never show it. And we're hoping it'll open up again. And in six months, the Netflix run is done and we can sell it to one of the major networks. So we'll see what happens. But the experience was amazing because it was granting this person's wish, number one, and two, it was really neat to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that might not have been the most famous uh, you know, celebrity in their industry, but they're the most talented. And I yeah. put the right people in the right place and the right things happen. One of the cool things um, that I know about you is you were chosen by Napoleon Hill Foundation to really continue his work. And I know you really believe in masterminds, as I do. I typically call them councils, you know, peer to peer councils, but, you know, masterminds nonetheless. And I love I love masterminds. I love their you know, we have one of the best ones in our thought council. We have them. The Hero Club is really a mastermind. They're, they're all peer councils. Tell us about how you're continuing that mission. Wow. Well, first of all, you're, you are the epitome of masterminds and, wow. and it's amazing to see what you have built in the community. And it's really neat because I think you can learn more about someone's character on their bad day than all their good days put together. And I realize a lot of the people that go through your network, I've never met one, I'm going to say a bad word, craphead. The, the coolest people. <laughs> you can right? say it. I say a lot worse. Yeah, I say but, a but lot worse. I've met some amazing people. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like someone comes up and says, hey, I'm part of this network. I'm like, you're part of the hero 
I'm in, right? It's like pre-qualification. And I, I always thought that was amazing. And, and to me, I, I formed a new thing called the Mastermind Association. You can go online and it's the first ever certification program that teach people a Robert's Rule system of running, hosting, and maintaining a mastermind. Because a lot of these other fake gurus, they sell you these masterminds. They sit in a semicircle and sell you crap all day. That's not a mm-hmm. mastermind. And that's a well, I, call, I call them false prophets. Yes. And so a real mastermind is you, you you get an opportunity chair and say, hey, my name is so-and-so. I'm working on this situation. And then people ask clarifying questions. You don't walk to a doctor's office and say, give me pills. They ask some clarifying questions. <laughs> then they offer feedback and then you get some guidance to go do it. And we've created a system to do that. And then to fast forward, the, the Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, for those of you who don't know my work, short little background, Napoleon Hill in 1908 was given a letter by Andrew Carnegie as an introduction to meet all of his friends and wrote the first ever formula for success called Think and Grow Rich. A hundred years later in 2008, their surviving family in Napoleon Hill and the foundation that bears his name gave me that same type letter. So I have a ticket to meet any human alive, right? So my full-time job is I travel the planet, meet the most powerful, influential people, and then I get to tell their stories in books and film. Not a bad gig with dyslexia, by the way. And the idea is that you get a learn some discoveries and start applying them into your own daily life. It's been an honor. Yeah. I, I mean, it's fabulous. By the way, you can call them shitheads. That's what I call them. <laughs> All right. And well, we don't, and we don't have any, like, uh, LeVar Burton. Any, I'm telling you. Yeah. I love LeVar Burton. He's a good friend of mine. Of course, many of you might remember him from movies, TVs, and of course, reading rainbow. And I gave a speech one time. He said, Jeff, would you come watch my speech? I, I want to get your input. So I watched his speech. His first slide was, I don't work with assholes. I thought that was great. So same thing. So there's none of those in the C-suite network. None of none like Every once in a while, we might act like one, but by and large, there's none of them. All right. C-suite radio. Listen, we're all coming out of a really tough year personally and or for some of us professionally. How do you overcome your obstacles? I mean, look at you, dude. You're, 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 you got more energy than I got. And that's saying a lot because I know I got a lot. And you're just like bouncing all over the wall. What what what, what makes you drive and thrive? Well, it's, this too shall pass. It always goes in my brain. Look, I look at everything almost like a slingshot. And I really recommend that people better prepare for success. I know it sounds weird, but everyone prepared and hunkered down when things were going good. The other side of that, when it comes, it's going to come so fast and furious, you better be prepared for it. It's like a slingshot. It's been pulled back, pulled back, pulled back. Well, when that lets go and goes forward, I'm telling you, I want to be sitting on that train ready to rock and roll. So all I've been doing is setting myself and positioning myself for success. I did not over pivot like everyone's saying. What I did is I hunkered down and I stayed true to my core values. I changed direction of the way that I would create income for myself but I've been preparing myself for live events when they do come back, as you know, in September, but I'm going to come back fast and furious and I'm going to dominate our industry. And I've come up with a new way and system to reinvent myself and our community. Well, no one has ever seen it before. So that's what and I'm see doing. That, I love that because we have to reinvent ourselves. I, you know, we're all brands. I don't care if you're the CEO of a major corporation or you're a thought leader. It's all the same. We're all the same kinds of executives. So I think that's that's this is knock on. That's awesome. So yep. let me ask you about you. I know that you managed to check off every single <laughs> item on your bucket list, right? So, okay, that's cool. I don't, I don't even have a bucket list. I mean, life's my bucket list. But no, I, I think it's cool for those that have the list. So what are you, you going to do for an encore? Well, I mean, you're going to buy another bucket and start another bucket list or what? 
you know, that, that's a big question. And, and by the way, so I, I ran with the bulls in Pamplona, Spain, climbed Kilimanjaro, swam with sharks, carried the torch for the Olympics. Any crazy thing you can think of made a movie. Dude, you're just stuff. making me tired thinking about it. I know, got a, just got a star on the Walk of Fame, all that good stuff. Yeah. But, but what's interesting is that when it was all done, it was anticlimactic. It was like, that's it, right? I thought it would be a little bit more punch to it. So I sat my son down, who's eight years old, which you know, Colt. And yeah. I said, Colt, what's your bucket list? I go, you're only eight. What, what do you like to do? And he goes, I want to fly a plane. I want to do this. And so we started crossing the, I got to tell you, I get so much more enjoyment. Of That's more. Yeah. Oh, it is incredible. Yeah. It, it was so funny. We went to, uh, he, he wanted to fly a plane. So we went to Hawaii last year and between uh, Wahoo and Kauai, where we're going to go, a buddy of mine's a pilot. And he got one of his friends with a Cessna, who's a teacher to let him go in the cockpit and actually fly the airplane until we were five feet off the thing to land it. The other guy took over, but my son at eight years old flew an airplane and got that experience. And when he came back, the confidence that changed in his life that day, you couldn't even buy that. Guess what? He wasn't afraid of a football. He wasn't afraid of anything. That confidence little thing changed everything. So that's my new pride and joy. What a great way to live through your children, or in my case now, my grandchildren. I can do that, uh, which I really like. I think that's great and, and a way, a great way to do it. Um, you've met so many successful people. I mean, your, your, your stage is just one after another uh, of just, I mean, famous people, not always does everybody know them, but what they've done, their accomplishment, right? So what tra what trait do they all share, you know? Well, I'd see if I got one of his book here. It's stickability. It's the power to persevere. And they understand the power of flexibility with stickability. I'm going to give you an example. Truett Cathy, founder of Chick-fil-A restaurant. Oh, Chick-fil-A. I love him. I, I remember I was in his office and I go, what does stickability mean to you? And he said, stickability has to be parallel with this flexibility word. And let me give an example. He goes, if I'm at my home in my sofa and I want to get to the end of the street, that's my goal. I have to have the courage to get off my backside and take action, which gets rid of 99% of the people and move towards my goal. He goes, but I'm going to look for unexpected opportunity. A planner is going to plan every step or going to pause, take a break. He goes, if a sprinkler comes up, it'll freak them out and they'll run back home. He goes, not me. I'm looking for opportunity. Did a kid leave a skateboard or a bicycle out I could borrow to make my journey short? If I get lucky, I'll wave down a neighbor driving by. It's a ride to the end of the street. He says, either way, I'll get to my goal and destination. I just don't mind how it has to happen. And all the greatest leaders that I run across have that same mentality. So, Greg, we're, we're taping this on the day of the inauguration, the changeover in leadership. You mentioned Truett Cathy, and I, I write about him in The Hero uh, Factor, the book, about people who take sides. I, uh, you know, Truett Cathy is one of those great business leaders, but I don't agree with his politics. I don't always agree with all of his personal views. And, and one of the things that I always say to people is not my job to change his mind, but my job is to understand him. And I'm okay with that. You know, he, he doesn't believe in same-sex marriages. He doesn't believe in homosexuality. And, and, you know, he thinks that's a choice and so forth. And we disagree, but I still respect him. And he makes a damn good chicken sandwich, okay? So on top of that, it's okay to have those differences. What would you say right now to people as we come back together as a country? What would you say to people who have opposing views, you know, who believe red state, blue state, you know, black, white, uh, gay, uh, straight, whatever. What would you say to people right now about getting getting along? 
I want to go back. I'm going to answer that question. And first, I got to tell you a quick Truett Kathy story. So you and I agree to this. And he and I did not see eye to eye on a lot of those things as well. Sure. But I remember we were walking around his building. It's just, it was a, a giant compound. Yep. And he said, by the way, he goes, you know, what do you think of my sandwiches? And I said, to be honest with you, I've never had one. I go, I've had the strips a bunch of times. And I've never had a sandwich. And he goes, what? And he walked me down into the kitchen and he handmade me my first ever Chick-fil-A sandwich. So the only one I ever had was wow. actually made by Truett Kathy by his yeah. own hands. Not cool, right? I mean, that's that's, that's pretty special. cool. That's cool. Yeah, and, and, and when it goes down to, you know, a point, uh, opposing point of views, the realities are we're still Americans. We're all working towards yeah. a better life for ourselves and for our communities at a whole. And I don't know about you, but my life has never really been changed or dictated by who's in office. You know, I made my own... Uh, economy and my friends and things do as well. So even through this horrific year that we've just had, a lot of us have had a lot of prosperity in our life because we looked at an obstacle and look for the opportunities within it. So I, the main thing is I think we got to stop putting down one another if they don't have our belief system. And I wish there was, there was more of that just because I might not agree face to face, eye to eye on a point of view. It doesn't mean you're right or wrong. It just means it's it's opposing. My big challenge right now is the few people that control all the conversation and dialogue in the country, and that needs to change. I think that is the number one most uh, number one forefront. For example, I did a, a post on LinkedIn recently that got a lot of attention. I says, you know, it's a sad day when a multi billionaire with who's a sitting president of the United States is lost his voice via every social media platform, not to mention Apple, Google, YouTube, things of this nature. And I go, what chance do you and I have? <laughs> I mean, yeah. if the president thing, and they're still, you know, letting the leaders of Iran and all these other people still have their free speech. And I'm thinking that's the part that's scary. That means that we're being controlled and dominated by one point of view. And I, I think we should be having a posing point of views, but do it in a very productive and respectful way. Well, but even if they're nuts, I mean, I, I'm okay with it. I will protect your right to do that. I will protect your right to the, to have the exercise those rights. And I, even if I totally disagree with it, even if I think you're nuts, uh, you should have that forum to do it. And I thank you so much for being a part of this forum and being here with me. I can't wait to see you in September face-to-face at Secret Knock. I can't wait to read the next book because um, I know that you've done 100, but there's another 100 coming. So that's yeah, there, pretty cool. there, there, there is another 150 coming, if, if God willing. So, And I appreciate you having me on. And I appreciate the fact you're you're always outspoken and you're, you're, you're not afraid to speak your mind and share it with other people. And you always do it honestly and respectfully. So I admire you as well. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on C-Suite radio.com This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>